0: What up, peeps? Welcome into Unscripted and Unprepared, brought to you by Real Screen Magazine. I'm Jimmy Fox, and this episode is my sit-down with Jennifer O'Connell, EVP of Alternative Television at Lionsgate. Now, for many years, I've had friends and acquaintances in the business tell me about Jennifer O'Connell, and they have said lovely, lovely things. This was my first time actually meeting her, and I have to tell you, It did not disappoint. She lived up to all the hype over the years. What more can I say? Jennifer O'Connell is a lovely, smart, amazing person, and I'm really fortunate that I got to sit down with her. Uh, We covered her career uh, spanning from the time she was at NBC, then she made the crossover to producing and actually produced The Real Housewives of New York, and she also told me some great anecdotes about working with Jerry Seinfeld. Here's my sit down with Jennifer O'Connell. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so I'm going to start off with a theory I have that you may or may not find embarrassing. Uh Probably not the best way to start things oh, off no. considering this is the first time we've met, but I'm just going to shoot it at you. You tell me your okay. thoughts. I have this theory that if the reality TV business were high school and everybody in it had to vote on homecoming king and queen, it would be you and David Eilenberg.
1: Oh my God. That's so great. I think you guys have the most sterling reputation. So, that makes me feel... I want to cry. That makes me feel so good. Okay, so you're not embarrassed by this. Oh, I'm definitely embarrassed, but I, of <laughs> course, love every word you're saying right now.
0: <laughs> no, I, you have such... We've, we We just met. Yeah. And we just started r- recording, like, five minutes into having first met, and I feel like I've heard about you from multiple people I've worked with over the years, and much like David, like, I'm not even talking about business prowess producing talent or skill. I'm just talking like as a human being, you guys seem to have like some of the best reputations in the business of just people that others like to work with.
1: Oh, that's so nice of you to say. And I actually David is one of my favorite people. Right. So to be in his to be categorized with him, like that's an awesome king to be associated with. Any other that's queen great. you
0: would you would like to nominate that you think if not you that would be a worthy person to wear the crown listen
1: there's there's a lot of there are a lot of people that i love um in the industry i just Corey henson has always been someone that i've just adored i would i think that she and i would you know <laughs> have to duke it out a little bit we'd have to do a little extra flirting with david to uh to win the to win the battle but there's so many great people like I'm working with Sharon Vong at CBS right now. She's amazing. Oh, she's great. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good. It's
0: a hard question to ask you because you're a seller. So I know. A lot I'm of... like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. That's so bad. <laughs> there's a lot, female, named, a lot of I female just buyers. buyers. <laughs> yeah, a lot of female buyers out there that you need to list. Um, okay. But let me ask you in terms of your approach to the business and how you treat people and how you, how you run your operation, was there a mentor or someone specific along the way that you'd thought okay that's how i'm gonna pattern my professional style after
1: you know i think there's been um there are people that i've definitely worked for and worked with that i've looked up to over the years and then there's people that i've worked for worked with that have taught me what not to do as well so i think you learn equally from both you do um i think that you know sadly there's a lack of many female mentors and people that you can look up to only because there's not enough in in some of those kind of leadership roles. And especially when I started in 94, that's a long time ago. Mm. Now I feel like there's a lot more, which is great. Um, You know, Sandra Stern is an amazing mentor here at Lionsgate, but she just entered my life recently right. you know so i think growing up in the business you i, I kind of had to you just kind of figure it out as you go and um you know i really i learned a lot about how to pass from a boss who mm. was you know just like this wacky lovable guy this
0: must be craig plastis <laughs> this has to be craig plastis
1: uh, it actually is not oh, okay but i will tell you some good things about craig um in my and my time at n b c which was really interesting in the way n b c treated me when I was like having babies and stuff, they actually supported me quite we'll, a bit we'll get to but that. we'll get there later yeah so early, very early on, I worked for this like you know really fabulous guy, total like you know, Hollywood kid, uh, at family channel, Steve Leon, okay. his dad was Saul Leon, who was one of the original William Morris agents Okay, and Steve had been in the business and knew a lot of people and Steve, um, and I would tell this to him the next time I see him or talk to him, but you know, he, he never passed on anything <laughs> <laughs> and then ultimately, and people would, you know get, go crazy, like go nuts. And, and they just wanted an answer. And so I quickly realized, and, and then he, you know, he was great because he would just throw me and like, make me and be like, can you handle this? And, Mm -hmm. and he was, uh, you need that sometimes, especially when you're starting out. So I learned how to pass to people who were so far above my pay grade, who were
0: pissed off who you know do not want to be hearing this from you
1: from me the last person on earth so i feel like that i always know i I always
0: by the way this this has not changed because i can always tell by the phone sheet if i got passed on or not (laughs) like if if i got the call from x okay we got passed on
1: yeah like it's done like they're on my phone sheet like this is over and if they didn't
0: email me oh we got passed on yeah because if the phone call comes in usually they like to deliver the bad news over the phone yeah they're always fine delivering great news over email like yeah, they can't get a hold of me, Like they'll shoot me an email like, hey, we're going to do this. Give me a call. We're excited. If there's no email and it's just a call that lingers, you're getting passed on. Yeah, for sure. What was So what was the method? What was your method to I, kill you know, with kindness? Well, back
1: then, yeah, I had to kill him with kindness. It was like...
0: <laughs> But you don't want to be too apologetic and too kind. No,
1: because then you give them room to like be like, oh, yeah. well, maybe. So maybe it's not really a pass. Like you have to be clear. You know
0: who's a great passer? Who? I've never had this conversation on on the podcast before. This is actually a great topic. Oh, good. Okay. Mary Donahue is like a oh. world class ninja passer, and I love Mary Donahue. Yeah. But me too. But here's what I respect about how she passes: she calls. She doesn't do the lingering like small talk before she gets to it uh-huh. she calls like jimmy hey just call on. we're gonna pass and here's why and she has like bullet points prepared whether this is conscious or not she always has bullet points prepared of why it doesn't work for them what the what the focus group or what the internal strategy tells them about this idea and you you, you leave with no argument and that's how it should be. That's smart. But when you don't get any answer, it's like, eh, they just, it didn't pop enough or whatever. You know, that's what what kills yeah. you as a producer. Yes. Or if you keep me on the phone for 10 minutes. That is what drives me I just, I just crazy. Want to get the news and get off and go yeah, punch a wall. just tell me. Just tell yeah. me so I can go drink. Don't
1: lecture me on why this is like a bad idea. Like, yes. just pass and move on. Like, yes. you, you, you've just opened up 10 minutes of your own day and yeah. just say to me... <laughs> It's a pass it's not right for us or we have something just like it or just give me the one liner. I appreciate what Mary does. I think that's smart. It sounds like she doesn't take forever. I I think I yeah. like her too because I think she's an honest person very, and I think Very direct. at the end of the day for good or bad I think that's what I learned the most is just be transparent. Just mm. be honest. You know what? It's so much easier. I think that there's a skill in um and sometimes I need to work harder on it than others in, you know, softening the honesty.
0: Oh, yeah. You know. I'm with you.
1: You know, like, it's sometimes I can be too blunt.
0: Yeah, I get that.
1: Um, But I think, and that's something
0: that, you know. How do we do better at that? How do people with our personality types do better? It's
1: hard because we're so aggro sometimes. You know, I, I think it's listen, I think it's just being aware of it. Right. Or it's the look on the other person's face. (laughs) (laughs) You realize, Oh, I think I was too blunt. I need to, I need to pull it back a little bit. But I I think that honesty for me, that's kind of like a core part of who I am is just, it's hard for me not to be. Um, but it's, delivering that honesty is what, you know, I think the struggle is always going to be. And
0: especially in the heat of production and sales and fires that you need to put out. Yeah. uh, And you're at a major operation. But before we get to your current job, I want to go back. I I don't know anything about you other than I know your husband very well. Okay. And that's it. So where did you grow up?
1: Okay. I grew up in East Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. An average... Elliot Goldberg
0: was from uh, Connecticut as well.
1: Elliot is. And so is... um,
0: Ellie Goldberg at AMC. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and, uh, Rob is too. um, uh, From ABC. Rob. Rob Mills? Yeah. Rob Mills grew up in Glastonbury. Oh, that makes sense. Because he's he's a
0: Patriots guy. Yeah. He's he's coast.
1: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And there's a few others. So was this like the idyllic suburban upbringing? It was just like a regular. Couldn't be more regular. Right. It's a regular.
0: Norman Rockwell painting.
1: Suburban. Not necessarily Norman Rockwell. Because I feel like that is so picturesque and beautiful. We were mm. like a regular suburb, you know, l- you grew up in a, a nice suburban home, okay. you know, went to the public high school. Okay. There was nothing, there was nothing, there's nothing special about where I grew up, not in a negative way, but there's nothing extraordinary. It wasn't like a, when I say Connecticut, a lot of times yeah. people go, Ooh, you're rich. Right. And like, you grew up rich and it's no, it was a very normal you know, safe, middle-class existence with, you know, parents are still married, three siblings.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. Where are you in the order? The oldest. Oh, okay. Yeah. A little bit of that drive. A little bit of that drive. A little bit of that older sibling uh, syndrome, probably, and how you communicate with others. Yes. (laughs) Uh, It's all coming full circle. You you talked about high school.
1: Mm -hmm. So what
0: was Jennifer O'Connell in high school like?
1: I... Um, it's funny. Were you the
0: homecoming queen?
1: I was not the homecoming queen. I think one year I was on the court. Okay. Whatever that means. You made the semifinals. I made the semifinals. <laughs> I was, I kind of floated. If this was American Idol, you would go on the tour. I would go on the tour. <laughs> I would go on the tour. Um, I hung out with everyone. I, okay. d- you know, like I was very social and, um, was academic in that I knew I wanted to go to college. So I knew I couldn't be such a screw up. I really needed to like get decent grades. I'm sure I could have gotten better grades. Okay. I, once I hit sophomore year, I realized, oh, I, I really want to go to college and I know I, you need like extracurricular activities and I am not an athlete at all. So like by junior year, I started joining like all these like different random clubs. My friends were didn't know what was happening to me. But I knew to get to there I needed to do that. And okay. one of the one of the clubs that I joined was the local access TV news club.
0: Uh, so nerdy.
1: So nerdy.
0: Extremely nerdy.
1: And I forced my best friend, Tanya, who now lives in LA, um, forced her to co-host it with me, but basically, oh, yeah, you were on air. I was on air, but I had to write it and produce it, and and you know, figure out who my <laughs> guests would be, and and it was because I knew I wanted to be in this business. You did. Well, here's the thing. There's a moment that I remember in my brain, still being in high school. Two nerdy guys were in the library, and they had a camera on their shoulder. One had a camera, and one was you know talking about something with a microphone. And I thought, why are those guys doing that? I want to do that. Why do they get to do it?
0: Oh, so it wasn't even a TV show per se or film that kind of inspired you. It was just seeing guys around you at school and just thinking, that seems interesting. I should be picking that up.
1: Yeah. So I... went up to them and asked them about it. And they said that they had it. And these
0: are two guys that probably had never spoken with a girl before. So probably
1: were, never spoken to a girl. They're probably
0: very excited. So I was going to get whatever I wanted out of it. Because this is 80s. This is 80s.
1: This was the late 80s. So they, yeah. these are
0: AV guys or in is the that, 80s. Yeah,
1: late 80s. Yep. Yeah.
0: So you coming over to them saying, hey guys, tell me about your camera <laughs> club. I'm sure you made their year.
1: So they told me it was, they did the news for the high school news for channel 26. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, I want to do it too. And they were like, okay, call this lady, (laughs) Betty Cohen. So I called her and the next thing I knew, my best friend, Tanya, who I coaxed into this was my co-host and we did some news. And then we were actually, and it was like... So the rate of the
0: girls in this club just doubled.
1: Yeah. So we like, we basically kind of like took over. Yeah. And then, so we got in there and, um, (laughs) and we did our thing and we would interview our friends and then the local movie theater said they wanted us to um, review their movies oh, for them <laughs> for free movies. We are like, great, free movies. So we would go <laughs> get free movies <laughs> and talk about them. We didn't know what we were talking about other than like, is it cute? Is it fun? Right. Like, I don't know what we said. But anyway, and we had big hair. Like, it was yeah. classic. I'm like, trying
0: to think of the movies in that era. would have been like... Like Christmas Vacation came out, I think in like 89 or something. Probably reboot. All right. So you move on to college. where so you go? So I moved on
1: to college. So I went to Emerson College. Okay. So again, like I... Great school. Great school. Love it. I went there because I knew that there... I knew what they did through a friend who was already going to school there, I was working at a restaurant and she, her name was Christine Cavalieri and she went to Emerson and I said, what is that? And she told me she's focusing on TV and film. And ultimately she was going to head out to LA because there's a program out here. And I was like, wait, that sounds like the school I should go to. So I, that's how I heard about it toward the school and applied and got in. And well, you said
0: Christine Cavalieri.
1: Yeah. Do you know her? Isn't Kristen no, Cavalier? No, Christine Cavalier. Oh, okay, sorry, okay. I was like is This is the girl from Laguna no, Beach. It's a- and- no, that's Kristen and much younger than I Christine Cavalier. Christine Cavalier. Okay, got it. Um, so she told me about this school. When I heard that this school brought their students out to LA. Oh wow. Regardless of everything else, I was just like, tunnel vision. Yeah. I know that's where I need to be, and that's gonna get me there. So I'm gonna go to that school. So I did the Emerson internship program, Right. Um, moved out here, was, I, yeah, I guess it was, I, I actually drove across country and the first night here in nine, in 94
0: was the night of the earthquake. 94 earthquake, Northridge yeah. earthquake, sure.
1: So I was, that was Wait, my who'd first you drive, night. Who'd, who'd
0: you drive across country with?
1: I drove across country with three Emerson students. One is... In the business, in the business, more than than uh, the other two, Jeff Raymond, who's a publicist, huh. um, and then another guy, Zach, and and this woman, Allison, who lives in Boston. But we drove out. I had no idea what was happening. I'm from the East Coast. I thought it was like, uh, like I was like, do you guys live? We stayed with friends who were Emerson alum. I was like, do you wow. live near a train station? That's What's that experience. rumbling? And so we had no idea. So we lived off like the In and Out truck that was parked <laughs> down the street and you know, for a couple days, but it was, it was crazy. Of course, like every parent's worst nightmare. (laughs) Um, but so I stayed and I interned at, I had three internships, one at MTV, a game show called Trashed, which was one and done.
0: Chris Hardwick was the host. Oh, wow.
1: And it was one of his earlier first, you know, hosting gigs. This is before Singled Out. Before Singled Out. And it was basically a show where kids come onto the show you know answer trivia questions and they bring their prized possessions and if they get the questions wrong we trash them that's right and then i did so i i interned there i interned in paramount
0: tv's
1: media relations department now, when you say
0: three internships are, are we talking back to back you stay out there a year and a half or was this like every summer
1: no this was um one semester
0: one semester So we had a semester three different internships during one yeah. semester
1: how the hell well, you know, you do a couple hours here and a couple hours there. But were you also going to class? In- I was going to class, but the classes are set up so you can intern. Right. The classes were at night,
0: and then the kids would all have
1: internships during what the day. What an amazing program. It's amazing.
0: I've never heard of someone having multiple internships it's, at once while in college.
1: Yeah, it was it was great. But it's like it it, it said... It, so basically, I started in media relations at Paramount and did a couple days there, and then someone from... The head of TV, Gary Hart, at the time was running TV at the studio. His assistant was like, hey, can I borrow your intern for like, you know, a couple hours every couple right. days to file and like buy fruit for Gary's desk? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm in. I'll do it. So so I did those. So media relations, TV, uh, head of TV and um, MTV game show wow and it was
0: so fun so really like like three of the sectors of the business you yeah were, you were moving across at once yeah during that semester yeah production office life yep. corporate life and media relations yeah all right so from there, what was it? An assistant gig? What was like the yeah. first thing out of college that was like a real job? So my intern boss
1: knew someone at MTM Productions. MTM Productions no longer exists, but it was st- stood for Mary Tyler Moore Productions. Mary Tyler Moore,
0: and they they also produced one of my favorite shows from that era, Pierce Brosnan's
1: Remington, Remington Steel. Remington Steel, yeah. Who I
0: I have talked about this before, Sharon Levy, on the podcast. I think at his height, at his peak, there was never a more handsome man in the history of the world than Pierce Brosnan. I will put I him up against fair, Pitt. That's I'll fair. Put, I've had this argument with your husband. I'll put him up against Clooney. Just talking the eight by ten headshot, Jennifer. Just the eight by ten headshot. <laughs> I'll back you on that. But Yeah, Mary Tyler production. It's amazing. So
1: that's what an incredible job. So that was so it was we it was an interesting time because it what it turned into was more of a syndication company. Mm-hmm. When I worked there, they had one show on the air, Christie for CBS. They And they distributed America's Funniest Home Videos and Rescue 911. And mm. they were kind of... and they Right. Did TV so usher movies. Into that
0: ushering into that era now. Yeah.
1: And it was like some TV movie work. And I was an assistant to the head of marketing and did that for about a year or less. And then Family Channel at the time when it was just owned by the Robertsons, I don't know mm. if you... Even remember that, Wait, but Pat
0: Robertson. Pat Robertson, Is that like the Seven Hundred
1: Club. Yes, used to own Family Channel. Wow, and they bought MTM, and so they were revamping. They bought MTM
0: originally. Wait, so how did the American America's Funniest Home Videos rights work out then? If if they acquired MTM, and Vin DeBona then went on to carry on.
1: America's Funniest Home Videos was, it was only a distribution deal. They okay. were only selling it in syndication. Got it was it. like a syndication deal and they were their sales. They agents. were just the
0: sales team. They didn't own it. And that was it okay. for a short
1: period of time. Okay. So I'd always wanted to be like in the mix. Like I wanted to develop. I wanted to be in production. I wanted to like roll my sleeves up and be in that part of it. And marketing's amazing, but it wasn't where I really wanted my career to go. Mm. So when that acquisition happened, they rejiggered the whole family channel team. Tony Thermopolis came on board, Mm. Gus Lucas, Steve Leon, the boss I was talking about where I had to learn how to pass on all of his projects. Um, And so I had been promoted to like a junior exec in marketing, but I took a step back to be an assistant again for Steve Mm. because I really wanted to learn that side of the business. So I learned about Game shows. Bob Bowden was was in the department yeah. and oversaw me when you know I was like a junior game show exec. Bob's and the best. He's the best. I had
0: lunch with him the other day. Oh,
1: you did. Bob's the best. He's so funny and yeah. and like taught me so much about game shows. And we did we did some TV movies and we did all kinds of like crazy stuff. Um, Saban bought us, huh? And um, it was like F- Fox and Saban together, maybe at that point. But Saban was in control of it. And at the time I'd been there two years now and I was, you know, itching to figure out like, you know, bosses were getting fired, things were changing. And usually when that happens, I kind of look around and go, is this where I, you know, really want to stay? And, um, an opportunity actually came up over at Disney channel, hmm. uh, to do just focus on kids movies
0: wait, for 12, the channel. So, wait, so at, at the family channel, you never got promoted off the desk. I did. I got promoted to like junior executive role. You did. So at yeah. marketing, but then you said you took a step down to be in programming. So when I did was did you at then N- get promoted once again?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. You did. So you yeah. took a step down. So I took a step you down played your cards MTM. right. I went, I was like, I'll take a step back. I'll go to family channel. Right. I'll be in programming at Family Channel as an assistant. I'll work my butt off. I did everything from like helped them put scheduling grids together to development. And one day they promoted Got me. It. Okay. And then I was a junior exec. Maybe I was a manager or something when right. I was there. And then as like after Family Channel was then sold to Saban, I just it just felt like the company was changing and I was young and I just wanted like something different. And yeah. Um, and so that's when the discuss that's when the Disney Channel opportunity came up to just focus on kids movies for the channel.
0: So much fun. The f- what a great Most
1: day. fun job. So I did that for a couple of years. So I go over Rich Ross Amazing. and I had to interview with Rich and Gary Marsh, who's still there. Um, that's where I met my husband, Kevin.
0: Because cause he was working at Disney at the time too, right? Yeah.
1: So he had just been promoted off of Rich's desk to be a junior exec in the series department. Okay. And I was in the movie department.
0: You guys had Disney kids. It was we a had Disney, Disney romance. Kids. It was a Disney romance. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I met my wife. We were assistants at CAA. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I saw Kevin Huvane recently and told him, you know, we have CAA babies, you know, as a result Aww. of you know us both having jobs there. Yeah. So were
1: you undercover? Did you? How long did you keep it a secret?
0: That's a good question. I'm trying to. I think we downplayed it a little bit in the beginning. We never kept it secret. We never had a conscious thing like we can't tell oh, okay. people. I okay. think we just kind of downplayed it. And then when people kind of realized we liked each other, we didn't deny it. Right. Kind of a thing. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. Um, this isn't about me, Jennifer. Uh, <laughs> all right, so now you have at the Disney Channel. You are working in made-for-TV movies uh-huh. for, for the kids. Uh-huh. How did you get to NBC? Because you started at NBC doing limited series and, and MOWs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened
1: was um, two years into Disney, had a great time, loved it. Kevin had left to go. It's so weird. Kevin left at that point. It became ABC Family. Oh. And Kevin left Disney to go to ABC Family. Hmm. So it was weird because I had just come from kind of that world and he was going into that world, but it was a whole different group of people by then. It was weird right. how much that network has changed Wait, over the years. Wait, that same
0: network became ABC Family? Yes. Wait. That's so the original origin. The Saban network you just left that was owned by Fox, then later sold back to Disney and that became ABC Family, yes. which is now Freeform. Yes. That's so crazy. Yeah. So you guys literally switched
1: seats. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was weird. I didn't know if it was, I was like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" But you know, <laughs> you gotta, you have to let him do it, right? Because you, you knew the
0: landscape and you yeah. knew the players involved, and
1: it was a lot of different people at that point. It, 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 you know, it was it, there had been so much change that it was a different environment. So, so did um, you go
0: straight from Disney to NBC?
1: So I had a little pit stop. Okay. So. Everything was great at Disney. I loved it. It was having a great time, you know, going, you know, on the road for production, working with writers. I just loved every bit of it. Um, and there were no commercials, so I was making mini features in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, a friend of mine started a .com. Oh. And Christy Kaler started a a company called Voxy, V-O-X-X-Y, and it was geared towards teen girls. Okay. And they wanted someone to work on content for them. And what year is this? So this must have been
0: 90... Eight ninety nine. Okay. Is, right. Ninety okay. eight. So, so like, things are not, things not were, really going crazy yet, but but things Den are starting to pop. Started yeah.
1: and like you know, definitely people were moving into that. You know, there were the stories about the you know these big companies making millions and right. you know striking it rich and and getting out. You know, before early people even know how to monetize and, it, yeah, because
0: YouTube has not launched yet. Right. Right. Like we're not living in that user generated kind of area. And if it did, it was so, so early. It's just the traditional powers. It was like AOL and Yahoo. Yeah. You know, are kind of MSN are like the players at that time. Yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I thought, so my friend, you know, had this job opportunity and I thought, oh my God. Like forget about traditional TV. How lame. I'm going to go join the Cowboys over here and strike it rich (laughs) at the age of 25 or whatever I was at the time. And um, so I did that for three months before I realized, (laughs) wow, I really made a mistake. I love my friend and I love the mission, but the business, the, the idea of the business was not, and the technology were not aligned yet. We're not where we are today, where you watch everything on your computer. Back then it was like, Still postage stamp with like a lot of buffering going on. A lot of
0: buffering. <laughs> you couldn't even download like a, a photo your friend sent you. You yeah. know, without, without like waiting ten minutes yeah. for it to clear. And
1: then it comes through. You're like,
0: oh. Yeah. Great. I waited for that. Yeah. <laughs> so I. It's still dial up. It was literally yes, di- still, it was, was sound. Yes. 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 Your, yes, you, your mom <laughs> could not use the phone if you were using the internet because it was the same phone line in most houses. Yes. It was not the right time. Oh my gosh. Well, you were you were a forward thinker. But I was.
1: I. You know what. I I was chasing a dream and <laughs> it didn't work out, but that's okay. So as I was realizing like, okay, this is probably not the right time. Um, a former executive who had made some Disney channel movies, Steve White had just started working at NBC oh, Okay, to run. It was, uh, it was a short break. Period of time. There was this woman, Lindy Decoven, who was like the maven of TV movies and ran NBC forever. Mm. She had just left. They brought in Steve. He needed to hire. And
0: MOWs are a big thing at this time. And at
1: still. the time, they were still they're still around. They're still around. They're still happening. It's still you know, it's still a good business. Right. So I go over. And so he invited me to go work at NBC, and it was great. It was so that's how I ended up at NBC, a, a producer that I had worked with at Disney Channel. Mm had brought me over. And I did, I was at NBC for seven years. Right. Um, Steve was there only for maybe the, uh, not even a full year of my time there because um, Jeff Zucker came over and brought on Jeff Gaspin mm-hmm. to run movies and reality okay. because Jeff at VH1 had done the same thing. So
0: that's how you made the transition. Because when I, when I look back yes. at your work history, I saw that you started on the scripted side, mm-hmm. doing movies and miniseries, and then you segued over to the unscripted side. Yes. So because Jeff oversaw both, yes, he was it was an easy transition for you because it was the same boss.
1: Yes. So I was I, just
0: switching focuses.
1: Exactly. So huh. I so the business the movie business was dying. I had done a bunch of movies really fun ones, a Muppet Christmas movie.
0: Don't think I didn't have that written down. (laughs) From everything I flagged, I wanted to make sure to bring up that you did a very Muppet Christmas. Yeah. Was that like a dream come true? It was Was a dream come true. Were you nerding out on that?
1: I was nerding out like one day I... Where'd you shoot
0: it? Did you shoot it at the studios in Hollywood?
1: No, we shot it. We spent time there, but we ended up shooting it in Canada. Okay. um, Where at the time we were shooting, every movie was like up in Canada because of the tax benefit.
0: What humans were, were in that?
1: So, oh my God, there were so many people in it. Was that um, wait? Was
0: that um, Michael, um, the British actor? Was he? It was Scrooge?
1: no. We, it wasn't Scrooge. It was so. It was we called it a very merry Muppet Christmas movie, okay. and it was a little bit of um, "It's a Wonderful Life." Okay, it was inspired by that. So basically, we got to see what the, what the world would be like for the Muppets and the rest of us if Kermit were never born. Amazing, and it was. So fun. The cameos are the best. The cameos I was thinking great. Michael Caine.
0: That's what I was thinking of earlier. Oh, Michael Caine, yes. There is about the Christmas Carol. Yes, he was in... I think Michael Caine yes, is, is yes. yes, think, was in, well, yes. Caine was in yes. that. Yeah. But, but this was something different just for TV. This
1: was something different just for TV. Okay. Um, oh, God. I can't even remember all the cameos, but there were a lot. So at the time fear factor was a big, was a big thing. So we incorporated fear factor into it. Like (laughs) Rizzo, the rat was being eaten alive on fear factor. If Kermit were never born, Scooter was like in a cage, uh, dancing at a nightclub and, um, and had fun with it. But it was, I'm proud of that one because Gaspin was like, I don't know, like it's, it was an expensive TV movie. He's like, I don't know if we can afford it. I was like, well, if I can figure it out, can we do it? And he was like, yeah, fine. So I went to international sales and I was like, can you sell this? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we can sell them up at Christmas movie. Of course we can. So he was like, okay, great. And you know, and I love Jeff because he's always very understated as you probably know. Um, So nicest guy. So after the show aired, he was like, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry we made that one, which was a great compliment mm-hmm. that, that he's not sorry that we did it. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I did, did that. I did 10.5, which was a big earthquake movie inspired by my 94 incident. Amazing. Um, Ma- the Matthew Shepard story. That's what I was going to say.
0: The Matthew Shepard story was a big, big yeah. movie at the time and a huge story in America. At the yeah. Time. Yeah.
1: Huge story. And I'm really proud of being a part of that. Um, So
0: you go go from the Matthew (laughs) Shepard story to the department-making Fear Factor. Uh, At the time, what else was there? It was Fear Factor and Apprentice apprentice and then Biggest Loser. Doggy
1: Dog. So the Biggest Loser started when I moved over. So. I went to Jeff and I just said, movies are dying. I I need to do something else. I love watching reality TV. If you want me to help out in any way, let me know. And he said, I need to hire someone full time. Just do that instead. Okay.
0: So I want want to get into the, there's a, there's a, there's a phrase in in football. They they call it a coaching tree. Mm -hmm. And it's when you look at other head coaches that rose by being on one particular coach's staff. Mm-hmm. So like Bill Belichick, they always talk about the Bill Belichick coaching mm-hmm. tree. And so many people that work from have gone mm-hmm. on to be head coaches in the league mm-hmm. or elsewhere. Same with Bill Walsh. I feel like there was a kind of like a executive tree at that time at NBC with so mm-hmm. many people that were there that went on to do amazing things. Who, who was in the department at the time in your seven years who was there? I mean, already Gaspin, but
1: Gaspin, Craig Plestis, um, Jamila Hunter. Jamila who's Hunter a huge star.
0: Yeah, and, and huge star. Yeah.
1: One of the should be homecoming
0: queen. Jamila Hunter's awesome. She's awesome. She's at ABC now.
1: Yeah, running comedy. Yeah. So happy for her. Was Meredith R. there? Meredith R. So now running Universal. Meredith R, R. was an associate when she started. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, so was Jenny. And Jenny was Jenny an intern. Started, started Jenny started Jenny was an intern. Right. So those two have gone Yeah. Really Meredith runs far.
0: Alternative Universal. Jenny now runs development yes. under the network group at NBC. Yep. They're still there. Yep. Uh, Jason Dinsmore. Dinsmore, who runs CMT programming. Yep.
1: It was Jason, Jamila, Meredith, Jenny, That's a strong... myself. Oh, Mariana.
0: Mariana f- who? Flynn.
1: I didn't know that. Yep. Really? Yep. Mariana was at USA and then was brought over to NBC to do USA and NBC Alternative wow. as a junior exec. And what rose, a group rose the ladder. What a group. It was fun. We were good.
0: All right. So Biggest Loser.
1: Uh huh. So then the first show that Jeff gave me was Biggest Loser.
0: And you've never done Unscripted. Never done it. Never done Reality. No. So you came in, though, and you were totally open and willing. You were a fan from having watched shows? Yeah.
1: I just loved watching those shows. I loved watching The Apprentice. I loved watching Fear Factor. I loved... I was always jealous when those guys would come in and pitch, like, crazy ideas. I wanted mm-hmm. to be a part of that. See, there's, like, a... jealous. If I'm jealous of something, I just do it, I guess. Yeah. But, um, but I... I just kind of thought it was fun. And
0: wait, wait! it just hit me. Are you involved in the fear factor reboot? No, I'm not just sadly. because Kunitz,
1: he has a deal here, but it's d- all Endemol controlled.
0: Got it. Okay. So, so even though he was the creator and did the original,
1: even though he was the creator, he's not even involved in the Lionsgate
0: or any, I'm sorry. He's not involved in the MTV reboot of fear factor that's no. going on right now. No. Do you think it's going to work?
1: I think it has a shot. It depends on are, if they change the direction or not, if they keep yeah. it, Listen, if they keep it kind of true to what it was, then there's no reason why it shouldn't, you know?
0: So you run seven years at NBC, and then do you get recruited by Shed Media? Is that how you make the transition?
1: So I had, so when I was at NBC, I got married, had two kids, bought our first house, like really grew up. And when I had my second child, I knew I'm not having any more kids, not for any medical reason. I just (laughs) knew I could not handle it. So, um, I was like, okay, this is it. I need to enjoy my second child because after the first one, I came back to work like immediately. So,
0: so you went to the selling side.
1: So, well, that was
0: taking your foot off the gas.
1: Well, it, yes, because there's more control, but I didn't go immediately to shed. That is true.
0: You run your own schedule.
1: Yes. Yes. There's more flexibility. Like you can. But I more may be, pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But
0: it's true. Your your schedule is more flexible. You're yeah. More, especially if you're running the pod. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I I decided I wanted to produce. I'd always wanted to produce, and I never had that opportunity. So I'd I'm going to like
0: my second kid. I'm going <laughs> to take things a little easy. I'm just going to go run a production company. <laughs> and was it a start? The shed already exists. So they were
1: ricochet. So I was basically. That's right. I started. I. I produced a pilot for NBC and I decided I just didn't want to come back. I was feeling like that middle manager, horrible feeling where you wake up and go, am I making a difference in any, at anything? Mm -hmm. Am I just shuffling other people's ideas around? Mm -hmm. And I was just done. Mm -hmm. So, and it wasn't negative. They actually like, they let me take six months off. I took a year and worked part time. They were amazing. But I just Oh, knew- you were talking about that earlier. So when yeah. you had the kids,
0: NBC was really good to you with
1: They were really good. They were really leave. super supportive. They they were like, Great, take work for a year part time, no problem. Wow. They were re- like I can't I don't I'm so lucky. They really did not um stop me. They encouraged me and, and then at the end of that one year it was kinda like, Okay, the year is up. Am I coming back full time? Got and that's it. when I was like, you know what? I really love this producing thing. They let me produce a pilot. And then I decided I still don't want to, even though it didn't get picked up to series, I still really liked this side of it. It was so creative. And um, now I can work with people everywhere.
0: It's good. You also got your first taste in getting passed on. Yeah.
1: That's no fun. <laughs> when, when you make the that pilot. not fun. When you make
0: the pilot and get
1: passed on. Yeah. Yeah. That was not good. So what was Ricochet. So Ricochet um, was a British company mm-hmm. that created Super Nanny. Okay, in the UK, and they were selling it around the world. They sold it to ABC, and that was the Trojan horse to bring the company to the US and to LA. And so Super Nanny was kicking off so much cash that they were like, "Okay, let's let's." Stay here. Let's build a presence. They had Nick Emerson, who was one of the co creators of Super Nanny, move to LA um, to oversee that show and try to help create something here. But he didn't really know that many people. So they were looking for a senior executive to come in and help him build the business.
0: And that's where you came in. And
1: that's where I came in. So I met with them. It was a general meeting. I had no idea it was an interview. I thought, like, (laughs) I'm just meeting these UK producers. Maybe I could like partner with them on a project here or there or whatever. Hmm. But I realized it was cool. It was, it felt like a startup. The office space was gross. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They had like one receptionist who would like call out your name over the loudspeaker when you had a call. It It was was the production. So
0: bizarre. was the production infrastructure that time, just the super nanny production infrastructure. So
1: it was super nanny. They had just done a show called fat March that they were editing for ABC. Okay. which was in, based on another UK format that they had. Okay. And then they had just sold, and they were setting up production for Manhattan Moms, which became
0: Real Housewives of New York. That's where I wanted to get to. Yeah. Okay. So it, when did it become Shed, though?
1: So it became Shed when um, Shed Media in the in the UK was its own company that started buying up a bunch of other uk companies and so we oh, were so, so, so we were taking like 2020 and wall-to-wall and all these other companies in the uk we were taking all of their formats and selling them here and it was getting confusing to the marketplace right so we just decided if we're shed us all of those are just going to be labeled got Shed. It. so ricochet here.
0: was part of like a family of, of british production companies yes. that was owned by shed yes so then they just labeled it shed us yes got it yeah. okay and you guys were the lone U.S. presence for all the shed production companies yes. in the U.K. So you got first dibs of all their formats. Everything. That's a great, that's a great position to it be in. It was fun. Especially at the time. when we're, yeah. we're still in the midst of the boom yeah. at this point of reality. It was great. But that's what I wanted to ask you because you would produce uh, New York Housewives mm-hmm. for Bravo. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people on the outside don't understand that it's a, it's a interesting situation at Bravo where... It's not the same production company making all the housewives shows. Yep. Most people on the outside of the business would just assume, oh, it's the same people that make all those shows. Yeah. It's not. For whatever reason, with Mm-mm. the Orange County rights, Bravo was able to assign any company they want a new set of housewives. Yeah. Which kind of created this amazing land grab mm-hmm. in our business where it's like, hey, if you can find a group of women in a given city, mm-hmm. you can pitch them as the new housewives of Portland right? yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And you'll run it. Right? Yeah. So you guys had a project that was the moms of Manhattan. So it
1: was Manhattan moms.
0: Did you de- develop this? I
1: did not develop it. I inherited it on my first day of,
0: of work. So they already found the, some of they the women. They found
1: some of the women. I show up at work. Nick Emerson was on vacation and was like, You're, why don't you, you know, the Bravo people from your NBC days. Cause we were all part right. of that same family. Why don't you run with this show? So he's on vacation, totally out of touch. And I get a call from the network. We need one more housewife. You guys are starting production soon and you don't have that last housewife. We said we wanted someone young. We said we wanted someone hot. Where is she? Like threats of like shutting us down, which at the time for me, was it already a ghost series? It was a ghost series, but it was still an incomplete cast.
0: Which only happened then because that does not happen anymore. Does not
1: happen anymore. No. So it was like, okay, like we are expecting you guys to nail this last person, and you need to do this because we—that's what we expect. So I start my first day. Insert
0: Bethany Frankel.
1: Insert Bethany Frankel.
0: Wow, what a great what. A, by the way, this this should be the MOW. <laughs> that should be the MOW. What a great entrance for that character. Yeah. So Interesting. so
1: Bethany, um, I had been a fan of. She was already in the mix. But Bravo had previously rejected her because she was on the Martha Stewart Apprentice, and they thought oh, I didn't realize at that. the time. Now no one cares, but at the time it was not cool if you were already yeah. on a reality show to go on another one. It was like right. you were like used goods, which like is some arbitrary rule that someone uh, yeah. that, that
0: TV people make up. When yeah, in, for in, no reason. In fact, the audience doesn't care as long as they're good characters. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So,
1: so they had passed on her. I had i was like okay guys who do we have and she was i thought she should have won she came in second and martha stewart i was like i always remembered her being like really fun to watch um she was dating a guy she was not a housewife she did not have children she was like none of the things that the others were but she wanted all of that mm. and so she was the as she was the one that was aspiring to be like living the better life mm. and And one day being a mogul and one day, all of those things obviously came true for her. But at this point she was like so far away from it, but, but was in that circle. And so we just, I was like begging and pleading and they finally said fine. But I, I literally was, had to push really, really hard to get her onto that show.
0: And when did it get rebranded as Real Housewives of New York? So, um, did they have to wait till orange County launched and then they decided to change the title and make so it...
1: orange County launched while we were first season. Then we were in production. It had already come and gone. We were in production on our first season of Manhattan moms. Then orange County second season premieres and does really well. Got it. And I get a call from Lawrence Lasnick. Oh, wow. And she was like, okay, so here's the good news You're going to have a built-in audience because we want to change the title to Real Housewives of New York.
0: You must be happy about that at that point.
1: Of course, I'm thrilled. Yeah. The The only problem was when the producers and casting producers pitched the New York ladies on doing this reality show... They were told this is not trashy TV. (laughs) This is nothing Uh, like Orange
0: County. Yeah, we've played that dance before. Yeah, we we would
1: never do something like that. It's not
0: about conflict. Yes. No, it's about about? about your careers. You're fabulous. Yes, your hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. Because it's so much fun to watch people parenting on reality TV. Yeah, exactly. Getting into school. Yeah. Who cares? So
1: I had to call the ladies and, and be like, hey, guys, great news. Right. We have the benefit, you know, just mimicked what Did you, Lauren... Wait, wait.
0: Did you use the classic line that all of the producers, we all use What with casting? It's the, guys, at the end of the day, we can only use what you give us. Mm. So, I mean, if you're not, if, if, if you're not trashy, if you're not a hot mess, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> like, it, oh you... my God. If I could tell you how many times
1: I've said those yeah, words, right? it's
0: embarrassing. <laughs> right? It's a lot. Of it's embarrassing. You get cast members in reality TV all the time. They're like, well, Jimmy, like, is this going to be like Bad Girls Club? Like, I, is this going to be Jersey Shore? Like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, are you snooky? No, you're an upstanding individual. You you are a respectable human being. Like you are going to be you, and I can only use what you give me. Oh my god! Which is true, by the way. But of course, they can't foresee that conflicts are going to rise when they hate somebody in the house. You know, and we've chosen them because they're interesting, dynamic personalities
1: that would never sit there like a wallflower. Yeah.
0: And by the way, nobody ever comes into any situation and says, "I want to be the dramatic one on the show." Yeah. Right, and and usually the most dramatic person is not self aware that they are the most dramatic person. No, that's very true. Right, so of course they're going to say that. Yeah. So um, those
1: words, yes, yeah, so incredible. Words so overnight,
0: used. like Shed Media is now like. So now we're hot. The doc business is now going to boom for you. The doc
1: business was insane while we were there. I've like, we would walk into meetings with cast and get pickups like yeah. we. So Hollywood exit, so I should start actually after housewives, we tried and dabbled with like other cities and not very, we didn't try very hard. A lot of people were doing it. Um, and, and we just thought I, you know what? Truthfully, I don't think we thought that these many cities would ever be picked up by Bravo. I think we thought it was like, maybe there's one more, you know, maybe like New Jersey. We were like. Oh, someone else is doing what we just did. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Fun fact. Yeah. Nina
0: Diaz. Yeah. Who show ran first season of Jersey Housewives. And it was mm-hmm. like amazing. Mm-hmm. That's why we hired her to do Mob Wives. And she was our showrunner on Mob Wives. And by the way, was one of the greatest showrunners ever. And that's now awesome. is like the head programming person like at VH1 MTV. Nina Diaz. Yes, but like that's amazing. Was like was one of the hardest working best showrunners who's now a buyer. She but she did Housewives did of Jersey, and that's why such we such an her.
1: amazing job. Yeah, on Jersey, right?
0: Amazing. Yeah, I think she also created uh, my super 16, super 16 wedding when yes. she was in house at MTV too.
1: That was also an amazing show. She's though. evading oh, this so podcast. Brilliant. I
0: want to get her on. Why? But I, I think I need to fly to New York to get her.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's and, worth it. Anyway, so okay, your
0: okay. Business, takes okay, so business takes off.
1: Okay, so the business takes off. We do basketball wives. Yep. We do baseball wives. We do. Um, it's a
0: Brad football Brad world. Wives.
1: We yeah, and
0: basketball wives still huge. Bethany spinoff. Wait, Bethany can we talk spin-off. about can we talk about the Bethany thing for a second? Yeah. Because I've been told. Mm-hmm. That because of Skinny Girl Margarita drink, mm-hmm. which was Bethany's product and she sold, and and a lot of it was marketed on the show. Mm-hmm. Because of that model mm-hmm. for marketing your own individual project outside of the show's ownership, mm-hmm. that now deals have been restructured mm-hmm. on a lot of these casting deals. That if you, you do anything in the future, license anything, like we get a piece of it as the network. Yep,
1: it's because of that. It because changed we the did, industry. We did not have Schmuck insurance. You yeah, know, we. Both the production company and the network really helped create that business. We yep. and and continues to to enhance her business because if you watch New York, yeah, it's still plugged. Every every
0: episode, it's right. plugged. So now networks and production companies yeah. will take like a, a royalty, it's, a fee, yeah. on anything you merchandise or build as a result yep. of this that is marketed as a result of this show. Yep, yeah, change the business. Change. What's also interesting the is. It's interesting because Bravo and E are sister channels. Mm -hmm. And what I saw at one point in Electus was I'm not going to name the producers or the players involved, but Joy Mangano, you know, who the Jennifer Lawrence film, Joy, yeah, who created like whatever the The mop thing, QVC or whatever, HSN Squeegee. I should know, my brother produced the movie. Um, It's a great movie. uh, They went into E years earlier to pitch a reality show about Joy and her family. Oh, wow. And it blew up because e wanted a piece of all of her merch and products moving forward
1: mm-hmm. and she said, even though no she 'd already
0: been like a multimillionaire and launched yeah. her business, this was like three, four years before yep. the movie. Would come to happen. I think there's a and the deal and the deal fell apart.
1: Don't you think there's a difference though between someone who already has a very successful business, yes, and someone who is just launching something new and it's in every single yes.
0: Because the only reason you're making a show with them in the first place, if you're Joy Mangano, is because she launched a successful business. Yeah, like that's why you want to be in business with her.
1: It it, It got a little crazy. It it should be. It should always
0: be like an A negotiation. Who needs it more? Yeah. Like. When it was New York moms or whatever, moms yeah. of Manhattan, the women needed the network more than the network needed the women right. at that point. Yeah. So they should be able to make whatever deal they want with the women and the women can pass mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Joy Mangano, networks are chasing her she because she's already arrived and has an yeah. amazing story. So yeah, she sh- you shouldn't get a piece of her pre-existing business.
1: Yeah, I yeah. agree.
0: Uh, but Bethany Frankel changed the game. So you go on to core.
1: Yes. Okay.
0: I'm so confused. Like when I did my diligence on Core and everything, because I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've been off of my own little space for a while. It's so like, you know, Apollo and Endemol and Shine and 21st Century Fox. But you were brought over to launch Core. Was yes. Core when it started when you got there? Was that just private equity backing? Yes. that as a true startup studio.
1: Yeah, so it was private. So Apollo backed the company. They had bought the company. They had bought 19 Entertainment. That's right. Mark Graboff was brought, went over to run CORE. Who you knew from your NBC days. Who I days. knew from my NBC days. Right. So then Mark called me and said, do you want to come over here and help me launch CORE? And at the time, I had been at Shed for five years. Warner Brothers had bought us. Things were changing. And it was just not where I wanted to be at that time. Okay. Not for any re- It had nothing to do with Warner Brothers, but there were a lot of changes happening. So when I got that call from Mark, I thought, you know what? It's interesting. It's something new at Shed. I did help grow that business. That was fun. I enjoyed that. This is the same thing. Growing a new business. Um because of nineteen. You know, nineteen controls the, the format to um
0: American Idol. Idol. And were they also they were also a management company. And a
1: management company of the
0: talent that yes. would come out of Idol as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then they also had so you, a co-production with Dick Clark
0: for So You Think You Can Dance, but they weren't the physical production company. No, that was Fremantle.
1: Uh, Fremantle did physical production on American Idol, right. and then Dick Clark did physical production on
0: Dance. So nineteen were rights holders and producers that made a fee and a lot of great back end money on international yes. and, and owning rights. Yes. Okay. Got it. So then Mark
1: was like, "Okay, why don't you come over?" And help me. I need like a creative exec. I don't have any creative execs here, so come over. So I went over there and I did that for for a couple of years. Um, and we did deals with amazing people like B seventeen. Yep. of course. I love those guys. It was to be a Rent studio. Brian. So you were going to make to
0: be production company deals.
1: One day we would be Lionsgate. One day right. in our dreams, you right. know that was the goal. That's the hope, right? And we were starting off, you know, piece by piece. But you know it was really bad timing because when apollo bought core american idol had already peaked right it was on its way down mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of you know concern about financials and not meeting we... not
0: meeting the forecast. yeah, yeah. Right.
1: and so it was it was a little weird you know it's like you want things to happen quickly but this business as you know doesn't always do that. And we, ha- yeah. we actually sold a bunch of cable shows. We had a series on – we had two Lifetime series. We had a Bravo series. Um, but cable was not going to move the needle enough. And network was also very complicated, and we were just getting geared up. So we were starting to make traction. Funny enough, The Wall is a core project because we had a deal with Andrew Glassman. Oh, no way. So The Wall came out of Core – which was that's what we needed, right? But it was too late by the time that hit because this tri-merger thing was
0: happening. So what? what so Apollo sells off their share to 21st Century Fox.
1: So P- Apollo and Fox joined forces to, to to roll up. To yeah. So it was basically Core Endemol, and Shine. They joined forces to have to be co-owners of this. New venture. Well, let's let's
0: do the Game of Thrones yes. model here for everybody involved. Yeah, yeah. So you've got three majors. Yeah, and you've got two financing ownership groups. You've got Apollo. Yeah. which owns Core, and Apollo also owns a piece of Endemol.
1: No, well, in this new deal, they
0: they but, were. But they originally, were, but originally they just oh, had, oh
1: they bought a lot of their debt. Right, they, right. They, they had, had a, a piece of, of it. Right, but yeah. They had a piece of it. And twenty first they, century. They
0: owns shine yes so merger talks happen between apollo yes. and 21st century let's put our three companies together yeah now you've got charlie corwin chris Abrego mm-hmm. running Endemol at the mm-hmm. time you've got grayboff running core and then, mean, then you've got liz and all of her and rich ross and rich ross right My exactly boss. at shine
1: yeah so i'm kind of like thinking okay well obviously i hope grayboff because i'm you know working for grayboff right now and but Rich is great. I worked for him before. He's right. amazing. I didn't really know Chris and Charlie. I did get to know them and came to really like them a lot. Right. Um, and it shook out as it shook out. You know, Rich left, Mark left, and both actually funny enough at Discovery. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up in huh. the same place working working together and, and really, I think, enjoying working together. And I'm sure they share war
0: stories. Um I really think when you're a seller and you're competing for projects and you're going after talent mm-hmm. that don't know anything about the business, mm-hmm. a big part of your pitch is how clean is your explanation of how your company works yeah. and who owns your company yeah. and who do you report up to. And yeah. perfect example, um, now getting onto the lion's gate of it all. I'm going after a piece of talent a couple of years ago
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm not going to name names, but he's one of your producers mm. and uh, I'm going after a piece of talent and they have not been approached and I'm talking about doing a reality show with him and his family and I keep talking to him and his agent for like months uh, and I and I think we even have a like a, a deal like sitting there like getting ready to close at any point point. and all of a sudden I get a phone call one day from the agent and he's like hey another producer has uh, come uh, to the client and we just want to, you know, see if there's something there. You know, we, we, we just feel like we owe them the opportunity to hear what they're doing. Cause we've only been talking to you for the last few months. Like we should see what other people are out there, what they offer. So this goes on for like a few months where now I'm competing with this other producer, which is by the way, no fault of theirs. They should go right, after other talent. Right. So now the talent has to make a decision. It's between me and this other producer and they cannot decide. Like we are neck and neck. They cannot decide. They love both of us. And I get the call from the agent one day. And the agent says, Jimmy, uh, they're going to go with the other, the other producer. And I said, okay, well, what, what was it? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the fact that the other company is with Lionsgate and this person knows what Lionsgate is and, you know, Lionsgate's like the studio of hunger games, you know, the fact that with Lionsgate was just kind of in the end and there's other relationships involved with Lionsgate that just makes sense. So that's, that's where we're going to go. That that was the, that was the decider between the two of you. So tiptoe over the scales. And it's like I couldn't argue with that. And and it, it, it I learned a big lesson that day. It's like you've got to really streamline. You yeah. know, if you are a production company within a production company, within a global production company, you've got to really work on what your pitch is when you're competing for talent.
1: Yeah, it's hard. And it's I like, learned a valuable lesson yeah. at that point. Yeah. Well, because even though I have nothing to do with the Hunger Games or La La Land, right. they're hot movie. They're the hottest movies. Right. And to say that we are this is where I work Right when
0: you're calling mama's bake shop yeah. in Vermont to, to score a reality deal with yeah. that, You're dropping those names yeah. to get them to call you back.
1: Yeah. 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 It's definitely helpful.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Anyway. So it was just a little, yeah. little story that I thought makes yeah. sense for any sellers well, out that, there. That's
1: cool. You've got to
0: know, you've got to streamline your pitch and make it as you simple do. as possible. Yeah. Um, Lionsgate. Yes. You came in two years ago. It'll be two years in September. Lionsgate had already had overall deals, production companies in the portfolio. Yes. What was the charge? What was what were they saying they wanted you to come in So and do?
1: I think that Lionsgate had been in this business for a long time, frankly, but it felt like they were dabbling more than having a strategy. Right. So, um, and there were, you know, Eli Frankel, who's amazing, has been, you know, had a deal here for a few, a few years before I started a while. Um, Dave Kaplan had a deal here. Um, you know, others over the, still does over the years others had, but there wasn't someone who was really focused on scripted is such an amazing, huge play for the company that that had most of the resources and time and attention. And, um, you know, Begs and Chris are all over that And Sandra is all over that. And I think it was like, okay, but on the uh, unscripted side, who's really setting the strategy? Mm -hmm. Who's really you know, helping us figure out how to turn this into a business and
0: who's actually lived in the trenches and who's done this in unscripted to communicate properly and know what's a good deal. What's not a good deal. Yeah. You know, and who is a person I should make a pod deal with. Who's a person we shouldn't make a pod deal with. Who knows
1: all the buyers in that world. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and there was a guy here, um, Brian Tannenbaum, who worked on Sandra's desk since he was in college. Mm. And um, he has worked his way up to VP and had been basically like doing it all, spinning plates wow. himself for a, a year or two just on this, but had been working in scripted and everything else. It kind of like right. r- risen in the ranks. Um, from a business affairs side and then was able to kind of get more involved in the creative in unscripted. And then when I came on board, you know, we, we expanded, we hired a couple people ahead of production, but you know, Lionsgate is a lean operation. And, Mm. and even though we're a big company, we operate, like we're still hungry and, and I love that. And, and we all kind of work well above and well below our pay grade, you know? <laughs> and, and like when you're working above it, it's exciting. And when you work below it, you go, well, I'm also working above it. So right. I'm just going to be okay with it. Um, but it's, you, you know, it's, it's dynamic and lean. And, you know, so I came in and had to look at, okay, who are these deals and what are we doing and what's working out there right now? And, what should we be focused on? And, you know, we have an amazing distribution arm. We should really be doing more formats that Mm -hmm. we can distribute around the world because we have that capability. And those are the projects that are going to move the dial for us in our business. Um, docu series are, you know, listen, it was my bread and butter for a big chunk of time, um, made so many, but those are harder and harder to actually launch and like turn into a meaningful business. Um, So, you know, we've you know, we're really just looking at what's exciting out there and and what
0: feeds the beast here. Well tell me tell me about the model because I I, I've I've talked to people on the side, I've tried to try to get an explanation Mm -hmm. of how the model works with the pods and everything at Lionsgate. Is it that you guys have overall deals and the pods take take that overhead? and rent their own office space and have their own edit bays and run their own production is there a shared production hub that all the companies share is it some invest is it some investment in the companies that you own a piece of or is it just overalls like it's explain all how it
1: works. We're, we're all over the place so right you guys now. can make
0: any kind of deal we
1: can make any kind of deal So and you could
0: acquire a pre-existing company yeah, and just own a piece of it yes
1: like pilgrim like when the pilgrim. i and and you know they do their own thing they're on their own island. they have their own operation right Um, you know, Craig does, you know, what he does so well that we leave him alone. Right. And I don't think he would have it any other way. I don't think he would have ended up selling to a a company and, and it's not 100%, but it's a big chunk of his company. Um, I don't think he would be working with a company who wanted to control what he did. He's not that kind of guy. Um, and why anyway, he's so successful, let him do what he does best. So that's one type of deal. And then we have our pod deals, which is, you know, they get paid. We recoup. They, you know, they have a development exec. They have right. an assistant. It's, you know, it's a... It's Do they a have their own str-
0: base? Do they have all the production? They have to have the production no. in house? So
1: one of the things that we're working on and building yeah. here is is creating our own infrastructure for that, for right. equipment. Um, a couple of the pods did start that business before I started right. working here. So I can't tell them not to use the edit base that they have already purchased right. or, you know, have a sweetheart deal with, with a company. Um, but that is definitely moving forward. Part of the plan is yep. to build that out, to create better margins, um, do deals with producers who are really amazing at what they do, um, you know, and really focusing and, and pivoting everyone on, you know, what are the form, how can we create formats that can travel? Well,
0: it would, it would make, it doesn't make any sense for you guys not to have the in-house production capability and post capability. Yeah. When you think about your guys' core business of being financiers and being a film studio, a TV studio where you have all this production people and lawyers in-house and know how to paper Mm -hmm. and make those deals and run your budgets and Mm -hmm. oversee your budgets and oversee post. It doesn't make any sense not to have the same capabilities in unscripted.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, so we're building it out and it's, and it's been great. And we have, you know, kicking and screaming on Fox. We have Candy Crush coming up this July. That's right. CBS. That's right. Oh my God. 10 episodes. And who's hosting that? Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez. Oh, It's like the perfect summer family show.
0: Yeah, it really is. You know,
1: it's like we did, you know, we did some fun episodes too, some really promotable episodes, but, um. But it was it was fun. It was the kind of show that everyone brought their kids to, yeah. to the stage to check out while we were doing it.
0: What night? What night of the week is it going to be on
1: Sunday nights?
0: Great, great, perfect.
1: Nine o'clock. Sundays right in the of, summer. Sundays in awesome. the summer at a Big Brother. That's great. So you've got that audience building. You know building. And then you have, um, and then it's summer, it's nine o'clock. So it's dark, but it's not like that late yet. And so it'll be on the TV and kids don't have school in the morning. Kids don't have school. And you don't, you know, and it's, you know what? It's so complicated right now in the world. (laughs) So hard that like a show like this is so refreshing. It's just popcorn. The wall. The wall.
0: Exactly. Yes. The world is very complicated. Yes. Sometimes the world just needs the wall. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to leave you with this. Okay. Uh, Last question. Okay. You worked on the marriage ref.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: actually I have two questions left. Sure. You worked on the marriage ref Uh when you were at shed. Yes. Uh, any great Seinfeld anecdote or story?
1: Oh man. To
0: be shared from your experiences working with Jerry and his team?
1: Um, the guy knows what he wants. Yes. Like so professional. Yeah. Expects excellence. Yeah like we had a we had one of our early casting sessions with him where he was just like you guys don't get it and i was like oh my god <sighs> i feel like i'm the worst human being in the world but it wasn't a feeling of he's being mean to me it was a feeling of like we he's right yeah. we didn't get it on this one we need to do better
0: that's the worst feeling it's
1: the worst feeling cuz you're like more you're like harder on yourself than you are yeah. on, you know but but i think that what was cool was He just demands excellence and that's it. Bottom, you know, and we all should, but like the guy, he's done it. He is excellent. Like that was, you see why he's so successful Mm -hmm. because he's not afraid to say what he thinks.
0: You know, what's also interesting is I had a friend who works in distribution and, uh, they bid on the rights Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. They bid on the rights to distribute that show. And he went in and had his meeting with Jerry and my friend made the mistake of cussing uh when he said we're gonna sell the shit out of this internationally and he said i lost jerry at that moment and uh never got him back after i believe that. it yeah he's a jerry, gentleman jerry, gentleman he's a clean comic yeah he comes from the school being yep. a clean comic Yep, doesn't work blue family man and, I, and that always stuck with me that he's like in because so they, they were clearly some of the best international sales team in the business but jerry didn't respond to the Wall Street, go, go, go. We're going to sell the shit of this. We sell these the same way we can sell this glass of water right here that I'm holding, right? He didn't respond to that. Wow. He, He wanted to have a conversation about let's talk about the show. Tell me what you like about it. Tell me why you think the format works and translates universally to audiences, right? Um I don't want to just be told how well you're going to sell it per se wow. and then the cussing like put it over the top. Oh
1: my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I could feel, like I'm cringing inside. You look like you have a
0: little PTSD. From, I from... do. Well,
1: I can imagine. I think I'm turning green cuz I could imagine just it's like a train wreck yeah. that we'd watch. I will say that we our very first run through that we did which was like, you know, I worked so hard on it and we all did and it was like I, on a stage somewhere. I think on, on the NBC lot we finished the run through and it was messy, but it was good. And it, we were learning yeah. how to put the show together. At the end of it, Jerry shook my hand and I was never so proud. He, like, <laughs> he shook my hand. He was like, great job. You know? And you're like, oh my God, I just needed that. Yep. Now I'm happy. Now I'm good.
0: Last question. So coming from being a buyer yeah. at NBC, mm-hmm. when, that was like at the boom. Mm-hmm. That was literally like, as I always say, that was like the air of like, you can sell a series over a phone call mm-hmm. or sell it with a log line. Mm-hmm. How drastic and how crazy is it now to see it where you're at, at Lionsgate on the selling side? How far have we come from what will actually move the needle to get somebody to buy something from what you saw at the time at NBC? Like how easy was it to sell when you were there at NBC? So back? easy.
1: So easy. It is so hard now.
0: Right? It's so, what would so give me hard. Example. What would someone, the minimum somebody would need in a room back then, when you were at NBC to actually sell something like what did somebody actually bri- bring into a room at that point?
1: One time I was at a retreat and your old boss, Ben <laughs> walked into a room, put his Emmy on the table <laughs> and pitched a show without paper, without anything. Yep. And we were like, okay. And it was a ghost series. And it was a ghost series. It was, um, what was the name of the series? That it it been. was not the, the
0: restaurant that preceded. No,
1: it was, um, you might have been there. It was the identity one. Was it identity? Oh, identity! Yeah, yeah, identity. Where like you had to guess what people. That's right. Were I or remember that. That was the one. He walked in and he was just like, "Here's the idea."
0: That's so funny. He and we were plot- like, "You're Emmy. amazing." Okay. So he was an invited <laughs> guest to the NBC retreat. He just
1: showed up. <laughs> he knew about it. I'm sure, like Craig told him. Where was the retreat? Were. I forget. We were like in uh, we were some I feel like we were at a restaurant somewhere. Okay, maybe. so this wasn't
0: like he didn't drive up to Ojai to come grab No, you guys. no, it was
1: like, in town. It was in good town. Chance ben was he' just like put his Emmy on the table and I was like, we were like, okay.
0: There you go. You're the best. There you go. That's what that's what the business <laughs> used to be.
1: Yeah. Now? Oh my god, the sizzle reel, the big celebrity name, the um the proven track record or IP yep. ratings
0: reports, if ratings it's a reports.
1: If it was a format, like there yep. is so many hoops you need yep. to jump through, um, but I get it because there's do, a lot out there. Do
0: you think there's merit in the fact that it seems like we're only buying for Hollywood High School these days? In that you have to have a big name celebrity attached, either as a producer or on camera. And I get the on camera more than producing, but you can always cast a great name if a network really wants to get behind a format. So don't you feel like in some ways it's kind of a cop-out that this is going to sell because X celebrity is already on board? That doesn't mean the idea is necessarily better than the last 10 ideas you've passed on. It just means this is the one idea that has fill-in-the-blank A-lister next to it.
1: You know what? It's silly. And I think it's really because whoever has to sell it up to the very top... Yeah. It's easier to walk into that room. Much easier. And get it pushed through. It's really about the internal pitch. It's about the internal pitch. And if you can say that X name is attached to it, it's just easier to
0: to make it happen. Do you think the audience cares if a celebrity is a producer? No. I don't either. Not at all. I don't think... If I'm... A, if, I'm, thinking, I'm talking broadcast. Yeah. Cable, maybe. You know, because um, you only need a... The, the ratings bar is a little lower. Yeah. But for broadcast... If I'm in Iowa coming home from a hard day at work and I, it's 9 o'clock now and I'm going to crack a beer and turn on the broadcasters, I'm not flipping over to X channel just because no. so-and-so is producing and not on camera. No.
1: But what it will get you is marketing dollars. Out of the, the network. Out of the network. That's right. Because there's pressure yeah. that a- this and the PR and the interviews. is going to be yeah. a little annoyed right? if they've signed up and like it's not getting promoted. So yeah. at least you know... Maybe that person in Iowa doesn't care right. that someone's attached as an EP, but at least they know about they'll it. They'll be aware of it because they'll be of aware it. of it because the network has the added pressure to actually have to promote it, which yeah. is which is really half the battle right now. It's really tough to get the messaging out to to everyone. But yeah, I mean I think it's it's a little silly. I see why and how we're we're where we are. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm super excited about kind of all the digital players out there. I think that's opening mm-hmm. up a whole new world, mm-hmm. which is the bright ray of sunshine when things get tough and we go, God, it really is hard to sell. You know, there's every day a new, a new platform becomes available. It's just about figuring out, okay, how are we making money? Right. <laughs> Can we make money off that platform? Um, and is it worth it? But um, right. for a lot of them, it is, yep. which is great.
0: The wall. The wall. Thanks for doing this. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank, Thank you. you. I hope it was okay.